Welcome to the oh, hey there. podcast episode 11, the Alex Smith edition. Back-to-back uh, starts for uh, quarterback names on the podcast, and both those guys have had tumultuous ends to their careers with San Francisco. I'm not saying it's over for Jimmy, but it's getting close. Uh, 49ers do fall 30-28 to to Green Bay. Um, they are 2-1 and one and now are sitting second in the division behind Arizona and the Rams. Leo is here with me as always. I'm Javier, and uh, this is the Oh Hey Other Podcast brought to you by the Niners Nation Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe, rate, review where you can find your podcast. Leo, how are we feeling? I would say even good, in the man. middle. <laughs> yeah, n- not that one. Uh, <laughs> I-, I would say in the middle because like rewatching this game, it was ugly, ugly. And the fact that it took the Green Bay Packers to have a game-winning field goal, a 50-yard game-winning field goal, <laughs> wasn't like a little chip shot 30-yarder or whatever, um, something that they had to accomplish in 37 seconds, which I text you at that point, this is too much time for Aaron Rodgers. Um, but as ugly as it was, it, whether it was the quarterback, the offensive line, because I think the offensive line had some communication issues, uh, the drops within the receivers in certain situations, the secondary, as ugly as that was, especially re-watching this game, it took Green Bay 37 seconds to hit a game-winning field goal. So the world's not over. There's still um, life within this team, and it took literally resilience from the Packers to beat this 49ers team, or else they would have blown a 17-point lead and. And that's something that's not talked about enough is that this team with Jimmy Garoppolo out of all people behind center came back from 17 points uh, and eventually took the lead in the fourth quarter. Obviously it's like, Leo, shut the hell up. They lost. Like, I don't want to hear that, which, (laughs) you know, yeah, I agree with you. I get it. But uh, if we're just looking at silver linings here or just like a true feeling, uh, obviously a loss is, is it's always going to be ugly, but just, forecasting into the future it's it's not as bad like the world's not over they're all of a sudden not playoff contenders anymore they still are like this is still a really good team they just got to perform a whole lot better and, and to a certain standard uh from all different levels of positions offense side and defensive side there's a lot of fingers to be there's a lot of blame to be put on this game um not it's not solely on jimmy garoppolo uh the offensive line was Terrible. Alex Mack might have had the worst game I've ever seen him play. Daniel Brunskill did not play well. McGlinchey played well. Lakin Thomason played well, and Trent played well. When I'll, I'll say this, I'll well. say this about Trent though: there was a miscommunication issue to where uh, Green Bay's first possession uh, in the second half they punted the yeah. ball away to the Forty ers and the Forty ers yeah. So the Forty ers were down seventeen fourteen. Mm-hmm. So you're thinking here, okay, here comes some momentum. They get a third and three. Uh, and what happens? Preston Smith comes unblocked off the edge on, on Trent Williams' side to hit Jimmy Garoppolo, make him release it early, make it be an inaccurate pass to Mohamed Sanu. While if Trent did block the guy coming off the edge, Preston Smith, Jimmy Garoppolo does probably have the time to hit Mohamed Sanu I'm not going to say it's a 100% completion uh, rate on that pass, but I would like to say it's probably it's a Jimmy-like pass. It's it's like a six-yard pass, picks up the first down. So I would think there's an 80% chance to complete that. Instead, 
Trent Williams blocked to his right instead of his left, made Preston Smith come unblocked to hit Jimmy Garoppolo, and the 49ers had to go three and out. So that was my big takeaway with Trent Williams to where it's like that's a huge part of the game. 49ers had an opportunity to continue with that momentum and tie the game, if not take the lead there in the third quarter. Yeah, that's a big one. Um, that's a momentum stopper. That is something, you know, who knows? The Niners, the Niners love scoring before half and then right after the half. And that's how you win games. And they didn't they didn't score on that drive. That was a big that was a big punt in the game. Momentum shift for sure. Yep, Green Bay got that ball back, wasted a bunch of time, and scored a touchdown on that right after that punt, right after that three and out. So big momentum shifter there. So since we're jumping right into it, to point the fingers, you know, it, that's easy. You know, I some of it, I want to focus on Jimmy a little bit, but I also think the offensive line didn't play well. D'Amico Ryan's didn't call a really good defensive game. Special teams showed up again for the second straight week. So shout out to Mitch and Gold and 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 Trenton Cannon by all you know humongous punt return or kickoff return. Offensively, this team cannot start slow. This is something we talked about last week, right? You can start slow against the Philadelphia Eagles with Jalen Hurts. You cannot start slow against Aaron Rodgers because he's going to put you down seventeen nothing, and that's what happened. Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, the next two quarterbacks in line. You cannot start slow against either one of them again. And that is where my issues with Jimmy Garoppolo start to come up because watching this tape and watching the game, when is the last time you've seen all 11 defensive players on the screen on your TV? That's a telltale sign on what defenses are thinking about our passing and run game right now. The run game isn't there because you don't have Raheem Mostert to stretch either side of the offensive line and stretch defenses, so then you can't use the boot action to run your backs, you know, your backside crossers and everything else. But then also at the same time, Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't threaten anyone past 10 yards. Right? He's completed one pass on the season for 20 yards or further. One. That is unacceptable. And what was that pass? Remind people of what that pass was. That was the one to Debo, the the perfect pass. <laughs> the missile the perfect bullet. Pass. Yeah, the the one where Debo had to adjust to the ball. Good thing the that the the DB had his back turned to the ball and and it allowed Debo to make a great contested catch and turn it into a you know house it. Um, besides that, like you said, there hasn't been anything else. Looking up some PFF stuff here, I think this tweet signif- you know puts Jimmy Garoppolo in just in one bubble. Two stats that illustrate Jimmy Garoppolo's experience perfectly: the only starting quarterback who have lower. A dot, which is average depth of target, then Jimmy Garoppolo, who is at six point yards, are Kirk Cousins, Matt Ryan, and Andy Dalton. Jimmy also ranks top six amongst starters in turnover worthy plays. How are you ranked sixth in turnover worthy plays when you do not attempt passes past 10 yards? The box is stacked. The middle of the field is stacked, and that's where Jimmy Garoppolo throws the ball. Um, we, we saw it there on that first or second drive, maybe, where it was almost an interception uh, before Mackenzie Alexander made the hell of a play uh, in the middle of the field to intercept that. It's these, these defenders are, you know, everything's in the middle. Everything's within 10 yards, and that's Jimmy Garoppolo's bread and butter, and they're just saying, hey, throw it up, throw it outside the numbers. I dare you. I dare you. And he's not doing that. He's not throwing it vertical. 
Um, so everything's just horizontal in the middle of the field. And uh, it, that that's why you're seeing those analytic numbers the way they are, whether you're an analytics fan or, or whatever. If you're not, just turn on the tape and you don't need the analytic numbers to tell you that. Yeah. Yeah, you don't need the numbers to tell you where we're the where we excel at on offense. While Jimmy Garoppolo has, you know, a large portion of the blame here in this game, part of me wants to look at Kyle Shanahan with all this as well. Why did it take until the, the third late in the first half? Well, not even late in the first half because you had a really big kickoff return, but the second half for you to start getting your your quarterback into some type of rhythm. Like, where was the rhythm early on in the game? Yeah, Jimmy was missing some throws, but at the same time, you weren't giving him his usual Jimmy gimmies, right? So if you, you if you knew your quarterback was struggling early on, why not set him up a little bit better in the first half? Why not run some screens? Why not create this extension of the run game via the pass? Because some of these coverages are, are pretty soft throughout the first half. Like, what are we... Kyle, what are you doing, man? Did you did you are you playing scared? Are you handcuffed by your quarterback, or are you handcuffing your quarterback? I'm at a loss with some of this stuff. You could tell there's a there was a big difference there after the halftime uh, as far as play calling goes. Um, they were doing things in the second half that makes you question. Okay, where was that the first drive? Where was that the second drive? Where was that the third drive? And who knows if it's even a 10 point game in the half if they don't get that return from Trent Cannon or if they don't get that uh, passer interference, that PI call in the end zone on Muhammad's new. Do they even score a touchdown on that drive or is it a 14 game into the halftime? Um, so that was that was their their spark was Trent Cannon and then their their safety net was the PI call on Muhammad's new in the end zone and that's what got them in with, with Trey Lance. But yes, when looking at the play call, the efficiency was big big difference uh in that first possession in the second second half than it was all of the first half all of the first half you saw some of those jimmy gimme throws um so some of those you know yards after the catch ability we saw it with uh uh was it brandon Ayuk got an end round on that uh drive to open up the second half it's just where was that where was that we we saw some things um in in the first half i'm not to where it was a like I think Kittle got an end around, went for seven yards, but I'm not I'm not really a fan of Kittle getting an end around, especially where he's been physically uh, throughout these years, and and you're you're gonna have guys hitting him on the side on the on the first level and the second level of the defense, so um, it's just oh my gosh, big difference that you you bring up a great point there for all the crap I give Jimmy Garoppolo, it's at some point I have to look at Kyle Shanahan here too, right? You know, again, are you handcuffed by your quarterback or are you handcuffing your quarterback? Um, fourth and one from the 50 and you decide to punt. This two weeks in a row, you've made questionable decisions, Kyle. Third and eight against Philadelphia, you run it. You run it when you could have threw it. Fourth and one on the 50, you decide to punt when you're down 17 nothing. Like, what are we doing here, Kyle? Do you not trust your quarterback enough to get you one yard? Do you not trust Kyle Juszczyk to get you one yard? What about Trey Sermon? Can he get you one? If you knew Trent Cannon can, has this type of burst, why aren't you using him in the run game? What is missing here? You know, I understand Raheem Mostert 
is a huge part of your offense. But this kind of brings me back to the whole Jet McKinnon thing from a couple of years back. Kyle designed an entire offense around Jet McKinnon, and once Jet McKinnon went out, the offense kind of wasn't where it needed to be. Can Kyle not adjust in midseason? Is Kyle not adjusting or game planning for some of these things? Yes, it does suck. You know, you can't match Mostert's speed. But you mean to tell me you don't have anything else in the tuck in your playbook to run different types of, you know, run schemes with your different running backs? We saw it with Carlos Hyde when he was here under Kyle Shannon. Trey Sermon is very similar to Carlos Hyde. And you found success with Carlos Hyde. What are we doing, Kyle? You know Trey Sermon's not an outside zone type of runner. He's more of an inside trap, inside zone type of guy. You got Lakin Tomlinson and Alex Mack. Run behind those two guys, right? Run to the left side of the f- field. You're going to, okay, you're going to force the defense to, to shade to the left. Now you go backside. Like, this isn't, to me, this isn't, this doesn't sound too hard. You know, you're looking at it on tape, and, and Kyle is supposed to be this offensive genius, yet he's, he's doing these things that make you scratch your head all the time now. So, again, are you handcuffing your quarterback or are you handcuffed by your quarterback? That's going to be the line for the rest of the season until they decide to make a switch. The biggest thing, um, well, not the biggest thing, but just something that stuck out to me was Trey Sermon. One carry in the first quarter and three carries in the total first half. And you saw him in that first drive in the second half. He brought a spark to the offense. He was bringing in chunks like five-yard carries, six-yard carries, seven-yard carries. Where was that to loosen up this defense, pound the defense? Uh, how I would like to do it is, is you you want to soften up that defense a little bit, and then maybe you do get Trent Cannon, who we obviously see he can run. What if you get him in for a play? Defense is tired after having to tackle Trey Sermon all these plays in a row, and then, boom, now you get a spark from Trent Cannon uh, on an outside zone run. So, it, which Cannon's probably the closest thing you could get to Matt Breida. I don't want to say Raheem Mostert because he's a whole different level, but maybe Cannon could give you some type of Matt Breida-like spark uh, off the bench because Matt Breida averaged five yards per carry. When those guys have wheels and they have linemen like Trent Williams, McGlinchey, Tomlinson, and you could even throw George Kittle in there and use check in there. Those guys with wheels, all they need is is a running lane and they'll burst out 10 yards easily and that's just something I would like to see against Seattle that's how I talked about it last week is you want to keep Aaron Rodgers off the field so you want to run the ball run the ball run the ball they did not do that in the first half yes the box is stacked yes there was a lot of issues in the run game in in terms of blocking where guys were coming free I, I think I saw Alex Mack just get completely pushed back on one of those plays and Trey Sermon had to break a tackle in the back, in, you know, in the back line of the scrimmage, um, and eventually turn something into nothing. Well, I, excuse me, turn nothing into something. And um, I, I would just like to see a little more of that thunder and lightning, uh, and try to just create something with that rather than okay, yeah, I have Trey Sermon, so I'm going to give use check two carries before Trey Sermon gets two carries. Like, what is that? Like I love, uh, I-, I love watching Kyle Juszczyk, but no way. I think he's a better running back than Trey Sermon. Yeah, absolutely not. I don't, I don't want to see Juszczyk running the ball that much. I want to see Juszczyk in the passing patterns. Like he was outstanding. Yes. On yes. Sunday, so you know, to go to some positives, Kyle Juszczyk, hell of a game. 
George Kittle, when he did have his opportunities, made the most of them, especially late in the game. Guess who's alive, Leo? Brandon Ayuk is alive. He exists. Which sparked, which brings the question about this Ayuk situation. If Scherf, this is my logic. Hear me out here. Tell me, maybe, maybe I'm not going crazy. Maybe I am going crazy. If Trent Sherfield was playing better than Brandon Ayuk in camp, then why was Sanu out there ahead of Trent Sherfield? Because if that's the case, shouldn't your order for wide receivers be Ayuk, Debo, Sherfield? Where was Sherfield Sunday? Why does he have two snaps? And nothing against Sanu. Sanu played well. But Kyle, something that smells fishy here, just saying. Am I crazy? No, you're not crazy. When you look at the 49ers receiving, they don't have an X and a Y and a true slot. They're, they're not built that way. Everybody plays the slot. Every Debo Samuel's in the slot 40% of the time. Ayuk's in the slot 30% of the time, 40% of the time as well. Um, so they don't have a true slot guy. It's It's something that just gets in rotation between all of them. And if Ayuk was, you know, battling it out with Sherfield and battling out his snaps. So why is Mohamed Sanu out there and not Trent Sherfield, which Sanu had a fine game, but yeah, from everything we've seen from Sherfield, Sherfield looks like a better route runner than Sanu. He looks more crisp. He looks, he looks more ready to ball. To me, he has more big play potential. Um, so why, why wasn't he out there? That's, like I I don't want to create conspiracy theories or rumors or drama. I'm I'm not about that. Yeah. Uh, but I just find it very weird and very strange of how like Brandon Ayuk was getting his snaps fifty fifty week one because of how great Sherfield was, and then he he outsnapped Sherfield by like fourteen or sixteen in week two. And then here comes week three, and Sherfield just gets two. Like, yeah. Does that mean? Does that mean Sherfield fell off? No, I I doubt Sherfield has fell yeah. off. Um, but it's just it's just weird. And then all of a sudden, now he gets his targets. Now he gets his targets. Now he gets his touchdown. Jimmy was looking for him more. Did Kyle tell Jimmy something like, "Hey, start targeting Brandon Ayuk. Start start trying to give this guy the ball," because we didn't see none of that week two, and um. When Ayuk got the end around, we saw none of that week one or two as well. And it, it just questions, are they doing week to week the best thing to win? Because if they are, then why wasn't Ayuk getting the touches week one and two if you are out to win? Yeah. I mean, granted, they won the first two games. And Ayuk being targeted this game was helpful. He had uh, six targets, four receptions, 37 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Kyle Juszczyk, four targets, four receptions, 37 yards, and a touchdown. Debo, and another good touchdown. game. His touchdown. Mackenzie Alexander's probably Jair undoubtedly. Alexander. Jair Alexander from Louisville. I remember him. He was number 10 in Louisville when Lamar Jackson was there. <laughs> See, I I know I just got the names mixed up. It it's all right. It's all right. Um, But Jair Alexander, top three corner in this league. It, if everybody makes a top three corner, Everyone has Jair in there. And on his touchdown, Brandon Ayuk just completely routed the man. Routed him up and boxed him out, put his body in a position to where Jair had no chance to make a play on the ball. And that's why Brandon Ayuk is where he is. 
Yeah. And that's why he needs the ball. Yeah. So again, four four targets. I'm sorry, six targets, four receptions for 37. Debo Samuel had himself another good game. Five receptions, 52 yards on 10 targets. George Kittle also is alive and well. Seven seven receptions, 92 yards on nine targets. Yeah, my brother was thinking about trading Kittle in fantasy, and I and <laughs> I was I was gonna try and buy him low because I, you know, Kittle's gonna explode eventually. Yeah, yeah, of course it was gonna it was bound to happen. Kittle was gonna have himself a good game. Um, going forward, is it time to play Lance more or? turn over the keys to the kid because Dante Whitner seems to have a uh, very strong opinion about this. He was on post game on NBC, on NBC sports Bay area. He was also on with KMBR today. Um, so today being Monday, you'll hear this on Tuesday. He was on KMBR on, on Monday with Papa and Lund, but post game, I thought his comments were pretty fun and to me rather informed Dante Whitner is a very intelligent man. Uh, one of the smartest cover guys to play the game. And he was, you know, for the Niners, he did his job very well outside of the Super Bowl against the Ravens. I think we all can I, I knew you were give him crap that for that up. one. I knew it. But, I knew you were going to bring that up. But one thing I do do, one thing I do do and I do appreciate is former players being honest, right, and being candid because they know, they know what it is. They know football. And they know football better than you and I, right? So here's Dante Whitner postgame. Lance will make them dance. Lance will make them dance. Lance will make them dance. Man, listen, there's limitations on this offense. There's been limitations. There's a reason why they went out and picked him number three. And you see all these dink and dunk passes. Jimmy is averaging about five yards a pass. Now, put Trey Lance in the game, see what he can do. If he doesn't go back to Jimmy Garoppolo, but right now with no running game, without being able to push the ball downfield, it's going to be difficult for these guys. And then that puts a lot of stress on your defense as well. Because in that first half, the defense was on the field. They were getting tired. They gave up a lot of points, 17 points in the first half. So Lance will make them dance. Or I will push back on Dante Winner's assessment is if Lance doesn't <clears throat> play well, you go back to Jimmy. No, 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 no. Once you go to Lance, you cannot go back to Jimmy Garoppolo. You can't do it. Do I agree with him on the passing struggles of this offense? Absolutely. I've been on this, I've been on this train that Jimmy Garoppolo is not the guy since the Seattle loss in 2019 on Monday Night Football. We saw the limitations there, and they were glaring. Some you know, A team exposed it, right? Yes, the Niners made the Super Bowl that season. Jimmy had some good games later on in the year, particularly the Arizona game and then the New Orleans game, right? And then, of course, he had those two really big third and 16 passes against the Rams. So those, those are there. But one thing with Jimmy Garoppolo is he's consistently inconsistent. I think that's how you can label his tenure here in San Francisco. Consistently inconsistent. What we saw last night, or Sunday night, excuse me, was a pass defense from Green Bay that had zero respect for Jimmy Garoppolo as a passer. What we saw from Philadelphia, the same thing. Zero respect for Jimmy Garoppolo as a passer. And then late in the Detroit game, Detroit started doing the same things Philadelphia and Green Bay did. So the pass game wasn't as effective later on in the Detroit game. Does Lance give you more of a dynamic? The answer is yes. You can't run the ball with your running backs. 
So you might as well put the kid in who's going to give you the counter bash like Lamar Jackson and that offense gives you. You're going to you're going to force teams to game plan for you differently, right? They're not going to be able to sit on everything. They're not going to be able to play you straight up and and dare you to throw certain passes because they don't have this stuff on tape. Now you have to prepare for everything. You have to prepare at all levels of the field. With Jimmy Garoppolo, based on all his passing charts, we just said it 10 minutes ago in this pod. One pass over 20 yards has been completed with Jimmy Garoppolo under center today. Oh, this year. One. It's unacceptable. Absolutely. Um, so you, you brought up the Seattle game uh, from 2019 is kind of where you were just, all right, this, this isn't it. Whatever this is, this is great, um, but this isn't it. And when you look at Jimmy Garoppolo's overall record, as a starter for the 49ers, he is 24 and 9. 24 wins, 9 losses. That's great. But if you look starting at that Seattle game in 2019, the Monday night football game, ever since then, he is only 10 and 7 as a starting quarterback for this team. 10 and 7. Um, and that's the regular season games. If you ask Miami from last year, that's not even good enough to get in the playoffs. The Dolphins were 10-6 and six last year, and they missed the playoffs. So you're talking about they're barely a wild card team at this point for the 49ers. And you minus 11-6 and six is probably that, that sixth seed in the playoffs now rather than saying 10-7. and seven. So they're, they're just battling it out for a sixth seed with that, with that type of record and it, that's just not something you want. And, and when playing against teams that are at least 500, I, I believe that the record was six and five for Jimmy Garoppolo against teams above 500 in that same 17 game time frame. six and five. Jesus Christ. Um, so good thing. Seattle this coming Sunday is not over 500. <laughs> <laughs> so like, that's the one thing, but the problem is with that. Russell Wilson, in his career, has never lost three games in a row. Pete Carroll hasn't lost three games in a row since 2011, which is obviously for Russell Wilson. Um, and right now, Seahawks lost twice in a row. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have to go out there and do something to Russell Wilson or contribute in a way to have something happen to Russell Wilson that has never happened in his 10-year career. This is where we spoke about last week. This team needs to start faster, right? You cannot start slow again next and week. I said I, people people got upset. Oh, with me uh, because oh, I, I said remember. that. I, I said remember. That. I said if the Ford, if Jimmy Garoppolo plays like this against any of those teams in the division, the 49ers will lose. It won't be a win. In Green Bay, you could put them on that level with these teams in the division. What happened? They lost. It's not like I was saying anything that was false. Look what happened. Look what he did what he did against Philly and they lost. If he doesn't play or at least start off like that, the 49ers win this game. There's no chance Green Bay kicks a game winning field goal. They they had a chance to kick a game winning field goal because they went down seventeen to zero since the <laughs> offense needed a spark on a kickoff return. This team, you know, we went into the season pretty confident that this team would be Pretty good, and they're they're still a good team, right? They're still going to be. I still view this team as a ten, potentially eleven win team. 
but I don't view them as a Super Bowl contender, right? And it's not simply the quarterback. So, Jimmy, yes, you had a rough game. You made a boneheaded mistake. Um, he made two boneheaded mistakes. Actually, let's get to that boneheaded mistake, the second one that cost the Niners three points. Yeah, we were trying to run a uh, screen pass. Uh, running back got caught up in the line a little bit. Just got caught in between throwing it. I was trying to throw it away as the guy hit my arm, and you know, unfortunate call by the refs there for a fumble. What? Unfortunate call there by the ref for a fumble, Jimmy. You threw it backwards. That's not an unfortunate call. Just own it. Like, look at the franchise he came from. <laughs> the tuck rule. Come on, that that's that's New England through and through. Come on, Christ. they don't know that. They don't know that over there. Look, man. This is listen, you Jimmy's taking a lot of accountability other times. You gotta own up on that one, man. That's your mistake. That was your mistake. You know, take the sack. Take the sack, live to see another down. You can't have these boneheaded mistakes from an eight year veteran. If we if this is what we're doing, then put the kid in. But we're not right now. Um the other issue on this team. The 49ers secondary is absolutely decimated. Jason Rett gone for the year with a torn ACL. Josh Norman bruised his lungs and was sent to the hospital. What? How? That is nuts. Hopefully he's okay. K1 Williams out for a few weeks with a calf strain or calf injury. And now you have Drake Kirkpatrick, Emmanuel Mosley, Diamador Lenore, Devontae Harris, Dante Johnson, Ambry Thomas as your corners. Did the 49ers drop the ball with their assessment of the cornerback room this offseason? Absolutely did. A lot of people were were counting, pounding the table for a corner in the second round. I know you were. And instead they went with an offensive guard who, hey, Aaron Banks could have a fantastic career. He could end up being a five-time pro bowler, but as it looks ugly right now, uh, we're only three weeks into the season. I'm not going to define the guy's career off of three weeks into the season, Yeah, but where this team is at currently, and since this team does have playoff aspirations, it stinks. It stinks quite a bit, and the fact that they also did wait so long to take the, the Ambry Thomas when they did, when they could have traded up which they did before. They traded up for Aaron Banks. They could have traded up and, and possibly got some someone that is currently starting, like Paulson Adebo with the New Orleans Saints. I really liked him. He had great size, great speed out of Stanford, or even your guy that, that came out of Minnesota that's starting with the with the Reds with the Washington football team. Excuse oh, me. You almost said it. You almost said it. <laughs> Benjamin yeah, St. Juice, wa- that's my guy. Yep. Benjamin St. Jude. So he's balling out with the, with the football team. And yeah, he's had some, you know, you know communication issues, but uh, when, when there is no communication issues, he's good. The kid's a stud. The kid's a I stud. really thought he was going to be a Niner because his girlfriend apparently goes to church with John Lynch. So there was like, you know, how John Lynch loves to know oh, people. Gosh. He drafts them. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, the Niners need to figure something out with this cornerback position. Is it too late to address it? Probably. Carolina just made a trade for C.J. Henderson. And for those folks who are going to be mad about the Niners not getting C.J. Henderson, let me just put it to you this way. 
do you think Trent Balky is willing to trade with Jed York and Parag Marathe after how it ended in San Francisco? The answer is no. It's it's no. And that was pretty clear to me when the not when the the the, the trade was initiated or, or sent out. What the Jags got in return for a former first round pick was pennies. Pennies. Because you know the Niners could have offered more and probably a better player. So it takes two to tango. The Niners, I'm certain they made a phone call because they call on everybody. But that's one of those conversations where Balky picks up with his scratchy voice and says, no. It's just not happening. He, yes, he got a fifth-round pick in return in Dan Arnold, which it seems like every organization Dan Arnold goes to, they think he's just going to resurrect his career and, and be this Pro Bowl tight end, but it hasn't happened yet. We'll see. Um, but, yeah, fifth-round pick. No way Trent Balky is sending a first-round talent that has three years left on his contract minimum uh that doesn't include a fifth year option to the to the 49ers he he's not going to do that um but with k1 down i'm not sure how long he's going to be out yet quite yet but if he's gonna miss some time i know my boy jamar taylor is just waiting for an opportunity he is waiting for an opportunity he said last time i spoke with him that his knee's doing well He's not quite at 100%, but I know the 49ers have been in communication with Jamar, just checking up on him, and that's actually something he said that that surprised him, that these guys are still just like, hey, what do you, like, do you need anything? We'll send you something. What it, like, they're taking care of him, and that's what I love that's about a, a first-class organization. Yeah, he's not under your team contract, but since he's a free agent, you're still looking out for the guy, and and I know he's waiting for the opportunity. He he he's not available to play, and that could definitely be the holdup on why they would bring in a guy like Jamar Taylor. But he he's on he's on track to to be ready for this season. We'll we'll just see see what happens with that situation. But it it's going to be dependent on how much time K1 misses because. Diamador Lenore is going to be your starting nickel corner. Seems like that's where the 49ers want him to be, considering that Mosley and Norman were your starting outsides this game. And you're going to need someone to back up Lenore. It's not going to be just Lenore as your nickel corner. Um, so if we're looking to bring in, in someone who could contribute as a nickel corner, bring bring me Jamar Taylor. Bring me Jamar Taylor. Yeah, I'm not opposed. Jamar had himself some nice games. In 2020, um, I mean, he played really well against the Rams that first game uh, when the Niners won and they were in their all-whites at home. Played really well. Basically, got he took Cooper Cup away, which is what you want. Now, Jared Goff is long gone. Matthew Stafford is in. Different story, maybe, coming up. Um, but the secondary is is very, very shaky. Tart and Ward are doing everything they possibly can. They're both playing outstanding football. But your corners are not able to hold up against better receivers, right? Devontae Adams is a monster. He's a future Hall of Famer, so I understand he's going to get his receptions. It's going to happen. But to end the game the way the Niners ended the game, that's frustrating. And this is where now we need to look at D'Amico Ryans. This is something that I said on my other show. D'Amico, you have the keys to a Ferrari on defense. Don't crash it. Too many times on Sunday, 
I don't know if anyone else noticed this. Why is DJ Jones dropping into coverage? Why is Contavious Street dropping into coverage? Late in the game, third and 10, why is D4 dropping into coverage? Granted, on the third and 10 with D4 dropping into coverage, Aaron Rodgers overthrow, overthrew Devontae Adams, but there's no to me, there's no reason to drop a defensive tackle into zone coverage. You have Fred Warner to do that. You have Aziz to do stop? that. Who is he yeah, going to stop in coverage? DJ's not chasing down an Aaron Jones who's going to cross his face or a tight end that might cross his face. That just that's just a dumb design to me. Like, what are we doing here? Um, that's the kind of stuff that would frustrate me with Robert Sala. They would send Solomon Thomas out to cover a running back. Like, what? What? What are you doing? Like, D'Amico. I remember those those wheel routes on Solomon Jesus. Thomas with like five yards of distance. <laughs> yeah, like come on, man, that doesn't make any sense. You have you have a very talented defensive line, yet you rush three and drop eight. That doesn't work. You know the formula for this for this Green Bay team. Green Bay is a front running team. You get them down, they buckle, bring pressure. Aaron Rodgers, I sh- I, I shouldn't say buckles, but Aaron Rodgers does not do well under duress. And you didn't the Niners didn't generate enough pass rush. They had one sack on the day. Eric Armstead with a sack. Nick Bosa was chipped all day long, double teamed, held. Samson Ibukum literally held on the last play of the game. D'Amico, you gotta you gotta switch this up. You gotta get a little more creative or just play this straight up. You know, go back to what go back to the twenty twenty tape. The Niners didn't have a Nick Bosa. They didn't have a D Ford. And the defense was making play after play after play after play. And I think what's most frustrating about this defense right now, all we heard about was all these turnovers in camp, yet the Niners can't generate any other turnovers. So there's there's a there's there's either a miscommunication issue on this defense or a coaching issue on this defense. Fred Warner looked very, very poor on Sunday. I missed a lot of run fits. He didn't get depth late in the game. That's something that he prides himself on, his coverage skills. And he was not exceptional this this game. This game. Um all around this was a, a sloppy game. All around, except for special teams. I try not to fault Fred Warner too much on on not getting his depth in that in that game winning drive for the Packers. Mainly so because Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams is it's a one of one connection. But yeah, he he should have he had no one crossing his face, so yes, he should have had more depth on, on that play. But there is a part of me that says, okay, even if Fred Warner does get a couple yards more back, Aaron Rodgers still is going to drop that in the bucket. Uh, and then the other one, where somebody a different player should have had more depth, was Diamondor Lenore on the touchdown to Marquez Valdez Scantling. Uh, yep. Nobody, literally nobody's in the flat in a cover two. Yet you're you're standing there like if like if Aaron Just Jones is grass. holding yeah. you to stay short, like dude, get back. Understand that someone's probably th- that's the difference of a rookie compared to a guy like Jason Brett. Jason Brett was able to break on that last year when they played the Rams on Sunday Night Football and grab his first interception as a 49er. Rookie Diamador Lenore, who's I think he's been fine this this year. But I'm just stating the differences between a rookie and a vet. Diamond Doran Nor stayed in the flat, gave up the touchdown to Valdez Scantling on a, on a third down out of all people. Um, so 
just stuff like that. They, they, they just, Fred Warner said it himself, a 24 hour rule, learn from this game so that you don't leak it mm-hmm. over to Seattle, leak it over to Arizona. And that's the biggest concern for, for, for me. It's okay. You had no game plan or no adjustment to take out Devonte Adams, not even on a game winning drive. <laughs> What's going to happen with DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett? Or DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins the next week. What's going to happen then? So that's my biggest concern within this coverage scheme of the 49ers. It's we can't even bracket coverage. Like we can't even do a bracket zone to stop Devontae Adams on a game winning drive. I'm nervous, man. Yeah. I mean, you should be nervous. I'm nervous too. And, you know, they're not it's not all doom and gloom. The Niners are two and one. So they're still they're still fine. This game had playoff implications though. Right, this could be a game. Let's say the Packers and the Niners finish the same record. This could be the difference between the one and the five seed. This could be the difference between that road wild card game or the home wild card game. Right, like these things matter. And you saw the Rams and the Bucks go at it on Sunday as well. Two games on Sunday had really big playoff implications because we all should believe that the Niners should make the playoffs. The NFC North is absolutely garbage. So Packers are probably never going to look back after this game uh, with the rest of that division. So this stuff kind of matters. You have to win these games, these early matchups. You could survive a loss to to Detroit. You could survive a loss to the Eagles. The Packers one hurts the most because this is a playoff implication game. If the season ended today, the 49ers are in the playoffs. There we go. There's yeah. a silver lining. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, it's not a three-week season. But when looking at over those divisions, there's there's three wildcard teams now. The NFC East is going to get one, just a division winner, not not a wild Cowboys. Card. Um, so the North is not getting a wild card team, and the South they might. I'm not completely Tampa sold on New Carolina. Orleans. I'm not completely sold oh, on, yeah, Carolina. on Carolina, and I'm not because Carolina Panthers are three zero, and I'm not completely yeah, good, sold though. on New Orleans as well. I, I, I know they win, so I would probably give them the edge over Carolina since it's so early. Um, I do like Matt Rule in Carolina. It doesn't surprise mm-hmm. me that they're 3-0 with a starting caliber top 20-ish quarterback in the NFL. doesn't surprise me they're 3-0. Sam Darnold? Um, what? Yeah, top top 20. Top 20. I'll give him that. Yeah, he looks He's good. He's no he Teddy Bridgewater, apparently, though. He looks sharp. He looks good. He looked good on, he, against Houston. Um, so it's just, so the South will probably take one. That means there's, there's two other spots open. This is a big game against Seattle. Huge. You're going to have your NFC West Huge. division winner. And then two and three could take the other wild card spots, uh, along with the other team from the NFC South. So if you could beat Seattle, give Russell Wilson his first three loss streak as an NFL pro, which is wild to say. And put them to one and three and zero and one in division. You're you're setting yourself up for success. Yes, they lost to the Packers. Yes, it was ugly. Yes, it was not what it. The game was way worse than what the final score said. Yeah, but if you could take care of business, twenty four hour rule, get over this game, take on Seattle, beat them. They're they're favored. My you know they're favored by three points. So it's not like I'm. You know, saying anything out of the realm as if they're underdogs. No, they're favorite. Yeah, but you get three because you're home. Yeah, home field advantage matters. Yeah, but but also because they're good. 
if they if they weren't good, then I don't think it would matter with getting the three points. Um, maybe if it was, maybe they would have just got one, if anything. But they're giving them a, a whole field goal against a, a Russell Wilson led team. So that hasn't had that hasn't looked too bad, honestly. Besides when they blew that that lead against the Minnesota Vikings and and the Tennessee Titans. So that shows you the Seahawks team is in a get on get on you early. The 49ers can't start late this game as well. They can't do it. They cannot go three weeks in a row starting late. Because the difference yeah. is Tennessee, they had Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. The Vikings had Kirk Cousins go off. The 49ers don't have a quarterback to Kirk Cousins or Tannehill's caliber, and they don't have a running back to Derrick Henry's caliber. Those teams are able to come back because they have those guys. 49ers don't have those guys, so they can't start slow. Cannot do it. Yeah, you cannot. Um, Jeff Wilson's on the mend. He's on the way back, right? We should hopefully see him. I'm not high November. on him, though. I'm not high but on him. Jeff Wilson does enough for this team. Yeah, he, Until he'll, have, then, he'll have his one out of four explosive games, and but that one will be crucial. So, yeah. Stop being a hater, Leo. Stop being a hater. I'm just being um, a realist. Oh, I got you. Okay. Do you think the 49ers should trade for a corner or trade for a running back? I think if you start Trey Lance, that helps out your running back position exponentially. But that's a whole different conversation. Uh, I think you got to go get Cam Dantzler. Go get him. He wants out. What is he it going to cost? Here. Like Henderson just went for a fifth. What is it going to cost? A sixth to go get Cam Dantzler? Go do it now. Should have done it yesterday. Takes two to tango, baby. Minnesota has to be willing to give him up. And by all accounts, they are not willing to give him up. I'm with you on the Lance thing. But I, I, would, I wonder, what is the price for Saquon Barkley? This is me being me being a Penn State homer, me being a Whitehall, Allentown, Bethlehem area type of guy because I grew up in that. I grew up where Saquon played. Um, that is the dream, right? To have a Saquon Barkley. What is the cost to acquire him? I would love to know what that conversation is like. Um, I feel bad. And, he has no run blocking over there. None. Yeah. And I, I think you add a Saquon, even with Jimmy Garoppolo, that is a dangerous you, – you you keep defensive coordinators up at night. You know, then Kyle has another guy that he can use. Just just something I was thinking about. You know, this is, this is not Madden. I know that. Hey, but sometimes guys can be had for less. Let the people know why you're bringing up a Saquon. Fourth year, last year of his yeah, deal. Yeah, last year of his contract. He's not really happy in New York. New York's not really sure what they're going to do with him. They didn't give him his fifth year option. Daniel Jones is probably not the guy. You know, if you can get assets and kind of reset all this stuff, then maybe you do it, right? Dave Gettleman's probably not here at the end of the year in New York. Maybe they ship him off. Maybe they do something like that. It's just a thought. I I understand it's not Madden. It's just a thought. You know, people make fun of folks who have these crazy trade ideas, but literally every GM in the NFL is calling around about ridiculous trades. That's what they do. They're like they're like fans as well. They they John Lynch admits to it. Yeah, we call all the time. We uh we investigate everything. Just something to think about. I don't think he, I don't think Saquon's gonna be a niner by by any means. But what I'm saying is, 
if that is a possibility, I would like to see that happen. I think the Niners should trade for a running back. I don't think they missed on Trey Sermon. I just don't think he is. I don't think what they're running right now fits his style. And I would love for Kyle Shanahan to start deviating from his scheme and use players to their strengths. Right? If you know Sermon is not an outside zone runner, stop running the outside zone. Go back to what you ran with Carlos Hyde because it was effect. It was effective. There was plenty of games where he was effective. Right? He wasn't the best pass catcher, but he could run the ball pretty well. Do stuff like that, right? And you had Matt Burita come in and spell him later on in the season. There's there's opportunities to adjust here, Kyle, and I'm asking you to adjust. Use your personnel better. Ayuk, Kittle, Debo, they all look great. Your running game looks like crap. Switch it up. Give us something else. If you have to, play the kid. Play him more. Give him 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 snaps. Not these 1 or 2 snaps. Benjamin Solak of the Bringer had a really good tweet uh, yesterday or this morning. Um, He said, if you have two quarterbacks and you're trying to use one of them in the red zone where the scoring happens, that's the better quarterback. (laughs) At this point, just rip it off, man. You have nothing. To me, there's nothing really to lose here because you're delaying the inevitable. Either you're going to take the lumps now in 2021 with Trey or you're taking the lumps in 2022. Which do you prefer? Because they're going to happen regardless. And I think, I think we're going to see Trey sooner than later. I, that and you need to because this run game isn't working. You have probably your best runner sitting on the bench, watching these games and not learning anything besides watching the games and and reading off the play call to Scangarello next to him. I don't know if anyone watched that during the game. He's looking at his at his wrist and reading off the play to to the coach, so that way they knew what he was what he was doing. Like, come on, someone's got to give here. And I'm ranting right now. I'm just looking at this game tape. It's it is frustrating to watch some of these throws and some of these passes. When do you think Kyle's finally going to pull the trigger? I I think it would have to come after the bye. I don't think it's going to come in a regular game week. I think it would have to come after a bye, which means we have two games until the bye, Seattle, Arizona, and then after the bye is the Colts, who don't look as tough as we yeah. thought they were. Correct, yeah. It all, it's it's going to depend on what Jimmy looks like against Seattle and Arizona. Right? You have to... No more if Jimmy start. looks bad, if, if Jimmy looks bad against Seattle, okay, he probably gets one more. One more chance to redeem himself against Arizona. If he starts slow and it looks similar to the Seattle game, you you have to you kind of have to pull the plug here because I I don't know what you're holding on for because you've already committed to the new kid. You like like uh, like Steve Young said, you couldn't have said it any more clearly or loudly that you didn't want this guy. So you might as well play the kid and let him learn, take his lumps. He's gonna give you a spark. He's gonna force defense into different coverages. He's gonna force. He's going to make his mistakes, but he's also going to give you a lot more upside because you've seen it right away. We've seen it. You can't hide this kid anymore. Delaying the development of your rookie quarterback, it's absurd to me. Jimmy gets credit to, for make, you know getting the comeback, right? He played well down the stretch, but let's not get it twisted. He got bailed out on a really bad pass interference call, and it took two third down and tens to, to, to make that drive keep going. And a third down pass to Debo, 
on that drive where they took the lead to where Debo just had to rip it away from because it was a bad Jair, throw from Jair yeah. Alexander. Um, there's I don't know how many receivers come down with that catch, but I'm gonna give Jimmy his credit. Throw it to your receivers to let them make a play. I'm always going to preach that, but if we're just stating like, you know, it's clear as day. Debo made that play. Jimmy gave him an opportunity to make it. Jimmy didn't make that play. Debo did. Jimmy just gave him the opportunity. Oh, it's frustrating. Let's get this. Let's get this team rolling in the right direction because the way they started that second half, the second half was more of what we're used to with the 49ers, you know, offense, 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 moving the ball, moving the ball. Defense made some stops. Uh, They did their part. They need more from their quarterback right now, and they're not going to get it. I don't think. And I, I, we're just now counting the days and the weeks until Trey Lance takes over this job. It's not all doom and gloom. Niners are still 2-1. and one. They do take on Seattle this week. Seattle isn't going to be a tough challenge. As always, Russell Wilson is alive and breathing. He's probably the scariest person on the earth. Every time I watch him play the Niners, he scares the living hell out of me. Um, how do you see this game going, Leo? I think the 49ers are going to have to start strong offensively, defensively. Um. How I see it is it's going to be another nail-biter. It's going to be another one that's going to come down to the final minute. Um, I think we're going to see more of the running game this this go-around than we did last week against the Packers. Uh, for whatever reason, a good 49ers team like this one, Russell Wilson doesn't put up these amazing stats, these amazing yards. The 49ers re- contain him pretty well when they're a competitive team as they are at this moment. So that being said, I think the 49ers are actually going to reverse the script and get a defensive stop on, on downs to win this game against the Seahawks. <laughs> I hope so. Um, I'm not as confident. My issue is more so on a Niners defense. How do you contain DK Metcalf? How do you contain Tyler Lockett? Well, that's Can something you, you got to learn. Something you got to learn. Yeah. Can you get enough pressure on Russell Wilson to force him into a bad mistake, which isn't often, but can you make him uncomfortable? So that that's some one thing. So I need more from Javon Kinlaw. I need more from Eric Armstead. Nick Bosa's doing everything he can. I mean, he's he's the best player on the defense right now. Uh, Balled D out Ford, the run. Yeah. D Ford, I get it. You're still recovering from an injury. Your snaps are limited. Ibuka, we need something from you too. Like th- this pass rush is not as good as 2019. I thought they'd be better against the run. They're starting to get a little bit better, but after a while, when you are on the on the field that's that long, you're gonna get worn down. Um, so I actually have the Niners losing this game. I had it had them losing this game from the beginning of from the beginning. Um, so I'm gonna stick with that. I think they lose by four, um, 30 to 26, somewhere around there. I think the Niners can score. But I think we have another slow start, and it's a second half type of rally, and they come up short. Thirty to twenty four is kind of where I'm having it right now. Yeah, I I just have it on on the other side. I got I got twenty four twenty, forty nine or so. I think they actually cover the spread. I I to me it's just how I see it is this guys like Fred Warner is hungry back there. Jimmy Ward, Kwaski Tart, Nick Bosa, uh, Eric Armstead. A lot of these cap these captains on the defensive side, they felt like they lost this game because they have the opportunity 
to stop Green Bay in 37 seconds. They didn't do that. These guys, they all have a championship mentality. Yeah. I think they come back and and I think they bounce back. It if they got the the stop against Green Bay, I'm not sure I would have the same amount of confidence because then they would be riding high and maybe overseek this game. But since they didn't, I think they're going to come out hungry and the, and that's what's going to separate them from playing like they did against the Packers and then carrying that over. I don't think that happens. I got 24-20. Well, I hope you're right, Leo, because I don't want to deal with another week of losses. I don't. I want Kyle Shanahan to get to 500 already. He's 31-36, and 36, five games under 500. Can we get this man to 500, please? So bad. Um, I'm looking at Kyle Shanahan this week. I'm looking at Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance big time. You need to start fast. You need to get out in front of this Seattle team. They are a front runner as well. Jamal Adams has zero passes defensed, zero sacks, zero interceptions on the season. Don't target him, but you kind of know where their weaknesses are, and it's in that secondary. Kirk Cousins ripped them to shreds on Sunday. Ripped them to shreds. Kirk Cousins. Jimmy, if you are better than this guy, I need you to do the same. Because you have weapons. You have better tight end than Minnesota. Brandon Ayuk, to me, is every is as is as good as Justin Jefferson. And then you add in Debo Samuel. So I I, I need this 49ers offense to come out firing early. But I have so many questions about Jimmy Garoppolo that I'm not comfortable t- taking them this week. Um I hate being the negative Nancy but that's just kind of where I'm at with this team right now. Um, we will be back after the, after the 49ers and Seahawks game uh, to re, to recap it and talk about the, the, the Arizona game that's coming up after that. Uh, make sure you subscribe, rate, review on Apple, iTunes, Google, Spotify, wherever podcasts are found. Uh, make sure you check out everything at Niners Nation Podcast Network. Um, and then follow us on Twitter at JavierVague underscore. Follow my guy here, Leo at LeoLuna93. The 49ers have not lost back-to-back games with Jimmy Garoppolo as a starter. Russell Russell Wilson hasn't lost three straight in his career. Something's got to give on Sunday, and hopefully it's the three straight losses for Russell Wilson. Uh, But we'll be back next week. Like I said, again, make sure you follow everything on Niners Nation at NinersNation.com. And uh, we'll be back. Thanks for listening. We appreciate everyone's support, and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Peace.